Oh, welcome everyone. Hello, how are y'all today? Y'all, okay, we're quiet. Seriously, say hello to someone. You should say it. You should really say it wherever you are. We are so thankful that you are here today. Uh, listen, in the house, we're going to have some fun, hopefully. Uh, we just had some awesome worship, as always, and uh, we, we worked off all of our breakfast calories. So we are thankful, wherever you're listening or watching around the world, that you're joining us today as we continue our series called Fruition, where we are learning about bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And basically, long story short, we've been laying the groundwork through this. We're, we're going through Paul's uh, letter to the Galatian church uh, in Galatians 5, and, and what we're moving and saying here and laying the groundwork for is all of us look for a fulfilled life. We look for a satisfied life. We look for a life that has purpose. We look for a life that has meaning. We look for a life that has love and joy and, and, and all of the things that we're walking through over these next few weeks. And what we've been moving to say is, what if that has been in plain view the whole time? What if it's something that's been there the whole time? That's what Paul is writing to the Galatian church uh, because he's saying, hey, finding this has been there if you will just understand that it is a fruit of the Spirit. So as we're getting there, talking about a fruit of the Spirit to get ready for today, uh, how many folks like putting puzzles together? Oh, we got some puzzles. Okay. I, I remember growing up seeing some of those and being able to do that. So let me ask you this. You get a puzzle together, you pull it out of the box, you did it during the snow, okay? You didn't lose power. Imagine you did, but you didn't lose power. You got the card table out. You get the puzzle together. You get it all together, and you're missing one piece, one pesky piece. And it's not a corner piece. It's just a, it's a piece like right dead in the center. Like you can't even fake a picture like you got the whole puzzle together. Like, you know, you just catch a side of it and post it online. Like a piece is missing right in the center. What do you do? You just give up? You just put your conspiracy theories out there of who stole it? You probably call me because you think I hid it. Like, what do you do with that? Like, you tear up the house. You do everything you can to find that one piece, that one puzzle piece, because it's just not complete. It feels unaccomplished. As a matter of fact, you may leave the puzzle out there for days until you find that one piece. You check the other puzzles. You may put three more puzzles together to find the piece to see if it got mixed up in a box. Whatever it is, you look for that missing piece. And that's what we're going to be walking through today as we're saying, hey, what if the missing piece has been in plain view? What if the missing piece is what actually gives you peace? That's what we're going to walk through today. So if you've got your Bible today, uh, go ahead and get to Galatians 5. What Paul is talking about in Galatians 5 is he starts off saying, hey, just like you're searching for that piece, that missing puzzle piece, what you do is you will go and search the world for it. You'll try to find it in the world, and you just can't be satisfied. And he starts the Galatian letter, the Galatians 5, saying, we call that satisfying the flesh. And all of that will only lead to death. Now, if it's a missing puzzle piece, it may lead to the death of your siblings or whoever hid the piece if they did, but it will only lead to death. Then he says, but there's something different that will lead you to fullness and life. And it's this, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the same verses we're starting this, uh, each message off throughout this, and it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. What I love about this is Paul is talking about the law, and he's talking about how Jesus fulfilled the law, but let's just be real here. You can't legislate those things. 
Think about that. There's no government that's going to force you to love somebody. There's no government that's going to force you to have joy. There's no government that's going to give you peace. No government that's going to give you forbearance. There's no government that's going to give you kindness uh, or goodness. There's no government that's going to give you faithfulness or gentleness. There's no government that's going to give you self-control. In other words, you can't legislate any of these things. They can only be of something outside of you, and that is the person and work of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about today is the next two. We started talking about the key that unlocks uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Last week, we talked about joy. Today, we're going to talk about peace and forbearance. Now, depending on the version of Bible you have, you may have patience, peace and patience. And that would have just rolled off the tongue so well. But we read the NIV here, so we went with forbearance. So very similar. So peace and forbearance is what we're going to be walking through today. So before I tell you where to get in your Bible, outside of that, let's talk about peace. We live in a world that has a lot of, a lot of no peace and a lot of no forbearance, right? Like we don't have peace. Maybe it's not a missing puzzle piece. As a matter of fact, the things that rob us of our peace are when our Amazon package doesn't get there in two days like it was supposed to, right? Even in the snow, because those people, it should work. They should have had chains on the tires, right? I needed my item right away, right? Like I needed those things right away. We let those things rob us of it. As a matter of fact, if I think about it and we think about it, when it comes to our generation and peace and forbearance, think of two generations before us, Amazon specifically. What did they do? They ordered something out of the Sears catalog, and hopefully the railroad man brought it in like it came via railroad to you. As a matter of fact, they went to the general store. They didn't have a shopping cart. They went up to the front counter, and they gave them a list, and the person that worked the counter went back and grabbed the items. Are we repeating history? Just saying. Wherever we are right now, it's almost like that in COVID, isn't it? Somebody delivers it to you. We live in a world that is robbed of peace. We have no patience. We want it right now. As a matter of fact... We watch TV on demand, don't we? On our schedule, on our time, which is great. I mean, you do that. I don't watch much TV, but you do that. You got to do that, right? But when we look two generations ago, we are more prosperous than ever. We have more stuff than our great-grandparents or parents had, and yet we are more anxious, depressed than ever before. We have no peace, nor do we have patience. And the reason we don't have patience because we don't have peace. It's really hard for me to have forbearance or patience with someone if I'm not at peace with myself. Right? Like, think about it. If you got kids, you know. If you're not in the right space or place, they catch you at just the wrong time, uh, or your pastor sends something at just the wrong time. Just gets it, just gets it all messed up, right? And so that's what Paul is saying. We all long for a quiet heart, a peaceful heart. It's it's one of the things that our soul longs for. As a matter of fact, God knows that. So God made a way. He sends his son to be our peace. So if you've got your Bible today, we're going to go back to what we celebrated a couple of weeks ago. We're going to go to the the, the Christmas story in Luke 2. If you don't want to get there, we're going to start there, and then we're going to keep flipping our Bible right a little bit. But if you don't want to get there, go ahead and get to John 14. Those are the two spaces and places. We're spending the majority of our time today in Luke in John, if you don't have a Bible, as always, we have them free for the asking. I say it each and every week. I know I do. I love our Vine creative team because they have, we have Vine worship who always leads us into the presence of the Lord and worship every week. Our Vine production team is going to make sure whatever scripture we have is on the slides, but you can also follow along online at thevine.tv slash app. Let's dive in. Let's have some peace today, y'all. It's going to be fun. And afterwards, you might be able to get a piece of fruit shortcake. I'm just saying. 
Let's do it. All right, Luke 2, verse 14. God sends his son. He knows that we long for peace, a quiet heart. What did the angels say? Remember, the, the low, the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night. So these angels come and appear, and what do they say when they show up? It says this, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth what? Peace. Peace to those whom his favor rests. Peace. Before Jesus, there was really no peace in a relationship because of sin in our life. We cannot have peace. It robs us of peace. And so God knows that we have and long for peace. We long for a quiet heart. We long to be at peace with ourselves, but we can't do that without Christ. So he sends Jesus as our peace. Now, this peace isn't a peace that we think of. It's not, a, it's not like war is over, John Lennon singing peace. We're not going to be singing that type of peace. It's not a, a lawful peace. It's not a treaty peace. It, it's not something that is found in this world. It is what, if you have a Messianic Jewish friend or you have somebody who studied Hebrew or you've been with us for a while, we talk about this peace. It's called shalom peace. So that's why whenever you, you're, you're either uh, at, a, at a Jewish ceremony, whether they're Messianic or not, you hear shalom. Like, I'm, I'm, I didn't spit enough, I'm sorry. But shalom, you know what I'm saying, shalom. And that piece means wholeness, completeness, no missing puzzle pieces. The Jewish people describe it many times, if I've heard it, as a wall being built and a brick that's missing. And God comes along with shalom peace, and he is the brick that is missing. I seem to remember Jesus said something about not being a brick, but a cornerstone that was missing in our life to be built upon. So what happens to us when we search the world for peace is what we talked about with joy last week is addiction will set in and we'll chase the temporary high, the temporary fix of peace only to be robbed of it the moment that high goes away. When Jesus says, hey, there's a better way because he's not a fix, he's actually the full solution. So wherever we are right now, before we keep going forward, I just want to say, what are we trying to feed our peace or fill our peace with? All of us. All of us are addicted to something. Maybe we're addicted to snow. We just had snow. <laughs> You're addicted to that. Uh, television. We, we chase something in this world. I mean, food. It's not just alcohol. It's not just drugs. It could be computer. It could be career. It could be success. Uh, it, it, could be, it, it could be money in a bank account. I don't know, but those things right now, I guarantee you, are robbing us of our peace more than we realize. And I think as we're coming out of this COVID mess, almost three years running now, it feels like, Jesus is reminding us where our peace is found is not in this world. It's in him. So what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say when it comes to this? John 14, if you want to flip your Bible, let's get to John 14, 27. Jesus, remember, he is on the way to the cross here. He's preparing the disciples. These are some of the last words he gives them before he goes to the garden uh, of Gethsemane in John 17, and then he goes to the cross. This is what Jesus says in John 14, 27. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. So what Jesus is saying is the peace that we seek has nothing to do with us. It's not about us. 
It's not about a puzzle piece. It's not about trying to find a different, like sometimes for me, if it was a missing puzzle piece in my life, I would go find another puzzle piece that was similar that would fit in there and I would you know, just smash that thing in just so I could have it be complete if it looked right. Like Jesus is saying, hey, the piece you seek has nothing to do with you. And that's where we get messed up, don't we? Jesus is showing us the peace we seek has nothing to do with us, but actually it has to do with him. It is who he is. It's got to do fully with him. And he's saying, hey, what will end up happening is when you seek your peace, you will, you will, he says, your heart, do not let your heart be what troubled. So have a quiet heart and do not be afraid. When we seek our peace, we let fear and insecurity rob us of it. As a matter of fact, our culture loves it. I want you to do something this week. And we just got out of a snowstorm, which had really, really cool things. This week, if you're watching the news or consuming television, if you're watching the news, take a moment, watch 30 minutes of the news, and I want you to count something. I want you to count how many times something positive shared. If you do it at the first half hour of the newscast, you won't hear the positive story. You won't hear it till the very end. It's the last piece of every news news now. It's the last piece. It's the last story. It's the last five minutes every time is the positive thing. So if you count it, let's say you do the last 30 minutes of a newscast, after you count the doom and gloom that's sold, I want you to count the commercials. And in the commercials, I want you to, to think this. Count the ones that tell you they have a solution to your anxiety, your fear, your depression, what the product they are selling you, the pill they are selling you, the thing, the service they are selling you is the only thing that will bring you satisfaction. This time of year is weight loss. Look and see. And now I want you to think about something when that happens. When that happens, why do we live in doom and gloom? Because it sells. It sells. That is why the news is doom and gloom and you don't hear good news. It's because it sells. I told you, Twitter is outraged. Like, that is, it sells. It's anger. There's the people who don't have peace go to Twitter and vent their anger. They don't have forbearance. They have no patience. What am I saying when that matters? Why does this matter for each and every one of us? Because we're constantly consuming that, that's what we're going to live in. In the snowstorm, honestly, and this is getting ready for this. When we had our snowstorm, you know what I heard? Not just accumulation totals and, and what's happening, but every time, power's going to go out, power's going to go out, make preparations, power's going to go out, power's going to go out, power's going to go. Hey, that's awesome. You got to make preparations. I get it. I started stressing about my power going out, but then I started thinking, why am I stressing? Because every time they did the news, hey, there's going to be ice and wind, and that really scares me on this. Power lines are going to go down. 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 Go get your bread and milk. I don't know what you're going to do with it. Have milk sandwiches. It is what it is. Power lines are going to go down. Power lines are going to go down. Like just constant doom and gloom. Like not just, you're going to get to build a snowman. This is a once in a decade storm. Like I've lived here my whole life. I can count on one hand how much time we get snow like this. Like this is crazy awesome. So what your power goes out, burn the house down. It's good heat. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Like whatever that is, but it was doom and gloom constantly on something that was really fun. The joy of snow is fun. Doom and gloom. It sells. Why do we go chase that? See, God says there's a better way. God sends his son. He says that can only be experienced through Christ. And many times it's not fear and insecurity, but it is, uh, well, Jesus doesn't know what I'm going through. And I get there. Hey, I'm guilty of it. Hey, I will tell you sometimes, I joked about this Thursday night, so if you heard that, you're going to hear the same pastor joke again, and I'm very sorry. I will look at Jesus and I will say, Lord, I'm not Job. He said, Tyler, just work a job, man. It's a job. No, I know I'm not Job. Yeah, job, Tyler, J 
job. I got a job for you. I got work for you. I'm not Job. Yes, son, job. Just son, just, oh. If he can put up with me, he can put up with anyone. What I'm trying to get at when it comes to what Jesus is doing is many times I'll say, Jesus, you don't know my stress. And here's what I would tell you to do. Read John 17 this week as he goes to the cross. Anguished all the way through his ministry as I'm here to do the will of my father. I'm ushering in the kingdom of heaven. There is a new creation coming. This is a new kingdom where everyone is welcome. There has to be a way made and I am the way that's gonna do it. Yet he is in the garden on his hands and knees praying so hard that he's bleeding through his pores. And what is it that he prayed? Father, if this cup can pass. In other words, if the cup of your wrath for sin, the cup of your judgment that I have to bear on the cross for the world, if it can pass by me, but your will be done, Father. Have we ever had to pray that and think about that? Where literally the weight of the world and the judgment is on you. Somebody who can say that that really gone to that, I'm pretty sure they can deal with my stressors of whether my power is going to go out or, or whether my car is going to start or whether I'm going to go get to play in the snow or not. I'm pretty sure he understands our stress and anxiety. And so Jesus says, why do we have stress and anxiety? Because we want to be the king of our heart. We want control. We want control. I want it on my time, in my in my time and the way I want it. Like, I want it my way, whatever fast food chain. I can't remember what that is, but I want it my way. That's why we get to do this now. This is all about control. But here's the crazy thing. We think we're in control of this, and I'm pretty sure this can control us, can it? This little device. And so the reason we love the, the cool things that are on there is because we can control when we order it. We can control can't control when it comes, even though we think we can. Control when it's going to get there. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, the more you fight for control, the less peace you're going to have. The more you surrender to his sovereignty and the person and work of him, the more peace you're going to have. It doesn't mean you don't have free will because you have a choice. Even in Christ Jesus, you have a choice whether you want to be in control of it or not. But the the more that I walk with Jesus, the more he reminds me how open my hands have to be and so many times he may have the missing piece for something and he may be showing it to me and it might be in the mail, but I can't wait for it to be in the mail because I want to finish my puzzle now, Jesus. It's got to be done now. And he's just like, wait, it's on the way, son. That's going to bring you peace. Be patient. It's going to bring you peace. But we, we, we love control. And what I mean by that too is, and I'm guilty of it too, is we like to be the writer, director, producer main character and the hero of our story right yeah just got our big we got to have our looking up at the sky or whatever that is like we want it all got that big wonderful biography like it's going to be a we want to be a a new york times bestseller when if you realize the fraud of most of the new york times bestsellers is they buy their books first and buy it in mass quantities, and then they send it out elsewhere. If you knew that, you would really frustrate you. That's why they're a bestseller. They've sold X amount of copies. Yeah, because what happened is the writer took the advance from the publisher and bought all the books beforehand and then gets reimbursed for it when it goes to the shelf. Wow, that'll make you mad. Look at this system. It's a cog in the machine. It'll frustrate you, but that's what happened. So where am I going at with that? If we struggle with peace, we have to realize that we aren't the hero of our own story. 
and we aren't the center of the world, and the world doesn't revolve around us. To have peace, Jesus has to be the hero of our story. And here's the thing, we get mad because if Jesus is the hero of our story, then he gets all the glory. And I want some of the glory. I want some of the accolades, right? Like, I want them to see me. I want to look at the scoreboard. I want them to, to, to give me what I want, right? But that's, 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 not, that's not how it works in God's economy. So maybe right now you're struggling with peace. You think Jesus doesn't understand you. He does, even as he goes to the cross. He didn't worry about getting the glory. He said, I'm here to do the will of the Father so we can lay it at his feet. So much so, he says, hey, I know, I know that you're going to struggle. Understand that I'm the only one that can give you peace. This world can't give you peace. Flip a few pages over, John 16, This is what Jesus says before that John 17, where he is in the garden getting ready to go to the cross. He says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace, shalom peace, completeness, wholeness. He's told us that so that we can have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, I, I, I love the first sentence. I get frustrated at the second sentence, though. I tell Jesus, I get mad at him. Yes, I know you've overcome the world, but, 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 but you, you haven't overcome my problem. You haven't overcome my problem. There's no way that that's going to affect me. There's no way that that's going to help me. And so Jesus, in my hard head, as I told you, outside of fighting with me with Job and Job, <laughs> outside of that, good pastor joke, you're ready. I ask you about puzzles. How many people like flying? I, I, don't, I haven't flown post-COVID or in COVID, whatever you want to call it, flying. Okay, let me tell you something about flying. Uh, Maybe you know, maybe you don't. You can always tell the people who are new on a flight, can't you? I can. It's easy. You know how I know? By what they're looking at. See, after you've gone on one flight, like I, I would tell you, almost every flight I think I've ever been in has always had turbulence. It's always had turbulence of some kind. I mean, it was going around a storm, no matter what, and all of a sudden, this is your captain speaking. We're going to be going around the storm right now. If you look out the window, there is the Grand Canyon. I promise we won't crash. Take a picture. Like, you know, it's like something crazy. I'm not listening to that guy when he gets on there. I'm not even looking at the captain when the turbulence hits. You know who I look to? The flight attendants. What do the flight attendants do usually when the turbulence hits? They roll out that drink cart. Da, 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 you know, they're just banging into everybody, getting everybody drinks, serving them, being happy. Now, this is when I would freak out because I've been on multiple flights. When the flight attendant's in the jump seat and they're strapping in and they start praying, I'm probably not going to be at peace. I almost see Jesus, but like something's happening. We're going down. Like that's the moment we're going down. This is what I'm getting at. If you've ever flown, you know that when it comes to Jesus, and it comes to us as Christians, we get to be the flight attendant. We get to have a peace when the world is at chaos. We get to have a peace when there's turbulence all around, and we get to serve everybody drinks, and we get to have joy and love in the Lord, and we get to show them a peace that surpasses the, cir the, the circumstance and the chaos and the turbulence that we're in. Like, we get to be those people. That is the ambassador of Christ we get to be is the flight attendant. But I will tell you, I'm guilty of not doing that much. Sometimes I'll just be like, Jesus, I know we ain't in turbulence, but I'm just going to strap in the jump seat. Somebody else is going to figure that out right now. Now, right 
And then I get mad that I'm robbed of peace. I get mad that I'm robbed of not being a part of what he is. And so what I want to say for each and every one of us is in the midst of the turbulent season, maybe we're in right now in Jesus, know that we get to be the flight attendant to have peace there. In the midst of the turbulence of the world that promises that it cannot give us purpose, it cannot satisfy us, it cannot give us meaning, and it cannot give us hope, only Jesus can, we get to share that with the world in turbulence. How crazy awesome is that? I guess you want to be Captain Sully. Maybe that's where you want to be. You want to go land on a water or something. I don't know. How crazy. But whatever it is, I'm saying we get to be flight attendants. Like, think about that. Think of that. Like, have you ever just had somebody in the midst of a crazy circumstance just be totally at peace in it? Just totally at peace. Like, if it's the way it's supposed to go, it's the way it's supposed to go. One of these days, I'm going to be those people. I'm not. I'm sorry. Jesus is still working on me in that. But that's what we get to do. Maybe a better example isn't a flight, a flight attendant, so I'm going to give you one more just to, I've heard it explained better this way. Uh, as Christians, we get to be the thermostat, not the thermometer. Have you ever heard of that? Do you know what I mean by that? In other words, we get to set the temperature. We get to set the, the temperature of the culture, not, not measure it like the thermostat does. The thermostat will only tell you how cold it is outside. Or excuse me, a, a thermometer will only tell you how cold it is outside. A thermostat will turn the heat on, will change the, the, the environment around it. That's what we get to do. And I wish I could tell you that I always change the environment around me for the better, uh, but sometimes I don't. I mean, I just really don't. I wish I could tell you that. That's Jesus working in me. You know why I don't? Because I'm not at peace with Jesus about something. I'm trying to control the situation. I'm trying to control the outcome. And Jesus is showing us, hey, there's a better way to live. It's not, following Jesus isn't just about getting to heaven. Like, I think we have that in our Bible de devotion today as well. Like, it's not about getting to heaven. It's about fully living. It's about John 10, 10, where he says, hey, I've come that they would have life and have it to the full. Fully living, fully having peace, fully having that right now. For everyone in the world. And so for me, I'm going to do it again. Shameless plug. I did it last week. Before the year was over, we had these things, these popsicle sticks. And on it, the challenge was to write one thing you're thankful for, one different thing. Do it for 30 days, 31 days. I think there's 35 sticks in here. Throw it in a jar. Don't throw it in the trash. Throw it in a jar. Pull out a different thing every day you're thankful for and pray to the Lord for that. When I do this, my perspective changes, and his peace that passeth all understanding is so much better. When I say, Lord, I know it's snowing outside, but thank you I have heat. Lord, I know it's icy on the roads, but thank you that I don't have to go anywhere. Lord, I know that it's crazy outside. Thank you I have hot water. If I st I mean, those are simple things. Lord, I know right now I may feel, I, I may feel abandoned, or I may feel uh, wronged, or I may feel slighted, but I'm so thankful for the family you have in my life. I'm so thankful for, for the sowers at the vine. I'm so thankful for our, like, just walking through those little things will completely give me peace where the things of this world won't. And so maybe you need to do that. Maybe that's the next step, to have peace, whatever that is. Uh, Steal some of those from the doctor, the tongue depressor, next time you go. Do what you got to do. Whatever that is, have peace. It gives us peace. Peace, peace, peace. Because just like the puzzle, we said it, laid the groundwork. The peace that's missing in our life to have peace many times is Jesus, and we're not giving it to him and trusting him with it. Why does that matter? Because we serve a three-mile-an-hour God when we want him to go 100. Daytona, baby. Like, you know, Talladega. 
Go fast, real fast. That's what we want. We want God to go fast. We want him to answer our demand when we aren't fully willing to surrender to his call. That's a big deal. We want him to answer us when we want it. That's a genie in a bottle. But we don't want him to be Lord of our life and everything else, right? Like, we don't, we don't like that. Like the tortoise in the hare, right? Just sharing this a little bit before the service. Tortoise always wins, doesn't he? Why? He didn't have anything to prove. Do you think the tortoise was at peace with himself? Man, he was just one faithful step after the other. The hare is the fastest guy you know all over the place, just zoom, 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 zooming. Missed it all. And that's an Aesop tale from thousands of years ago. Wouldn't you say that holds true today? So to have that, we have to have peace. Because if we don't have peace, we can't have forbearance. They go hand in hand like forbearance. If we can't have forbearance, we can't have patience, then nobody's going to think we're peaceful. And if we're not peaceful, then who wants to be around us? Because they're going to say you definitely don't have joy and you certainly ain't got love. I mean, you got the love of something, it's probably yourself, but it's not of anything of Christ. And so for us, we have to start with peace and know that that's the peace we operate from. I promise, we're not going to take forever. Keep flipping to the right in your Bible. Let's get to James, the brother of Jesus. What does he say when it comes to forbearance? Forbearance. Here's the crazy thing about James. We've talked about this before, but uh, James didn't believe Jesus was who he says he was until after he resurrected. And can you blame him? If your brother said he was Jesus, is the Messiah, would you believe him? <laughs> you know, I'm sure if I came out announcing to the world, hey, I'm the Messiah, they would say, put him back in. He's not done cooking yet. He's not done cooking yet. Just get, get it. It's not it. But yet finally he surrendered. He surrendered after the resurrection and he realized that his, his, his older brother was Jesus. This is what James says when it comes. This is what robs us of patience. This is what robs us of forbearance. James 1, verse 19 through 20 And it says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. In other words, if we lose our patience, it's probably because we're angry, right? It's probably because uh, something's happening. And so why are we angry? Many times because we weren't slow to speak. Hello, social media. And most of the time, because we were never listening in the first place. We get that backwards in our culture and in our world. And we wonder why we become angry is because we want to shout the loudest and never listen. As a matter of fact, most of the time, we're forming our argument before the person's even finished the sentence. And if you're in a relationship, if you're married and that happens, how much peace are you going to have in your house if you already know what you're going to say next? It's not going to be much peace because there's going to be a frying pan thrown at you. Like, there's going to be something that ha- There's not going to be peace. Peace. And it's because you don't have patience. Well, you don't have patience because you don't have peace. Which leads me to kind of where I want to be here at the end when it comes to peace and forbearance. I can't, I, I got to have peace in Christ first and operate from that before I can have patience or forbearance. If, if I don't have peace, then my patience is waning. It's not there. It's, it's not evident. Anger usually is how that shows up. But let me ask you this, because I, I really do believe this, and it really does burden my heart. And, and hey, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm getting older. How do, we res- how do we raise a generation who knows everything? 
when it comes to James 1, 19 and 20. See, we love these little phones because we have access, but we literally, the generation coming behind us can find out anything, anything at the touch of a button. How does that change their view of God? How does it change their view of who he is? How does it change their view of him being their peace, of Jesus being their peace, of, they, of them having patience? Because in the world, it literally isn't about being quick to listen, slow to speak, and then being slow to anger. It's about if I'm angry about it, I'll shout the loudest, and then I'll finally get noticed, and who cares who's listening? Because if you didn't listen to me, you didn't matter in the first place. That's not what Christians do. And the burden of my heart is, I love that, that we can steward our children well, that we can point to them well, but it just, it just, I just wonder, how do we do that? Because they literally have knowledge. They have the knowledge of everything. They, they gotta get wisdom. They have knowledge. Because the problem is, they are told that they are the center of their world. I am who I believe I am. I'm living my truth. And the problem is, when my truth collides with your truth because it will because my truth says I'm the center of my life your truth says you are the center of the universe and you are the center of your life and when those collide it explodes that is anger but when we both do that and we neglect the truth that is Jesus that's where we're robbed of peace and patience and that's the world we live in my truth your truth and that's where we can say well no 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 it's not about my truth my truth is this 100%. Without Jesus, I'm a narcissistic wreck of a human being. I did nothing to deserve his favor, his grace, nothing. I am not worthy of even him saying and uttering my name. But in his grace and mercy, God loved me enough that he sent his son that in spite of my sin, he made a way for me to have peace, for me to have patience. He made a way for me to have life. That's my truth. It's not about my accomplishments. It's not about how good I am, how much I gave, how much I served, how much I did, because none of that will get me into heaven in eternity. Only the person and work of Jesus Christ will. That is the truth. And so in the world we live in, we get consumed with anger because we're worried about our truth instead of surrendering to the truth. And when we surrender to the truth, we have patience and we have peace. And so for us, in the end, when the turbulence comes, when we step out of a COVID season and we step back into the next, whatever that is, tax season is what we're about to call it, whatever that is, when we step into those things next, the answer to the question that we are asking when it comes to peace is this. Who is sitting on the throne of your heart? You or Jesus? Because the difference in peace or not is who that is. If it's you and you're trying to save yourself, you will never have peace. You will be the hare trying to find it everywhere else, wherever you go. You will have no peace. You will search for the missing puzzle piece your entire life, waste your entire existence saying, I've got 99. I just need one more thing to fall in place to find that puzzle piece so that I can have fulfillment, so that I can have peace. But if Jesus is the king of your heart, and he sits on the throne of your heart, you've already got not only the missing peace, but you've got the full everlasting peace that he came to bring. So church, isn't it great that we get to know that Jesus is still on the throne? Because when we know that, we'll have his peace 
and we'll walk in patience. I want to end this with this verse that's often misconstrued, and then I'll have one more thing for us. Uh, that's often, we could get into theology of it, but we won't. Isaiah 53, 5 says this about Jesus when it comes to peace. Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus to come, and he says this about Jesus. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Without getting deep theologically in here for a second, I'm going to simply put as this. Jesus gave up his peace with the Father on the cross for us so that we could experience peace with the Father, being eternally in his presence, the way that we were created to be from the Garden of Eden before sin entered in, period. Jesus gave up his peace so that we could receive his peace, and that's all that we can do. We can't earn it. We can't work our way towards it. We can't pay enough towards it. We can't make a donation towards it. No, no, no. We can only receive it. He gave up his peace on the cross for us. So if he is thrown of our heart, that is when we will experience his peace. What does I mean by that? When we confess and repent of our sins and we surrender lordship of our life to Christ, period. Now in this house, I know you, the ones that are here in this house, I know that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I know that, that you trust him as your Lord and Savior. And so I'm gonna talk to you in just a second. But right now, I wanna talk to the person that's watching or listening online. You don't know who Jesus is. Right now, you've been looking for the missing puzzle piece of your life. You thought that it was the next relationship you were in. You thought it was the next diploma that you got, the next certification, the next job, the next promotion, the next, the next paycheck, the next car, the next house, uh, the next kid, God bless you, uh, the next the next dog, the next cat, the, the next llama, I don't know. Whatever pet you have, you thought you would find it, and you would find peace in that. And then you got it. And it was a lot of work. And when you're doing a lot of work with that, and you're working for peace, you'll never have it. But when you receive the work for peace through Christ that has been done for you, you freely receive it, you finally have it. And that's the difference between those who know Jesus and those who don't. So with every head bow and every eye closed, we pray out loud as a family for those coming to the faith for the first time. We're going to pray a prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you. It's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. And so would everyone please repeat these words after me? Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came live the perfect sinless life I couldn't live pay the penalty for my sins on the cross but love me enough not to stay dead but rose again on the third day so that I may have life come take over my life Lord teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, if you're watching online right now or you're listening throughout the week, if it's for the first time you've surrendered your life to Christ, I want to ask you to boldly raise your hand. One, two, three. If you're watching online, maybe you're going to see a hand that's raised. Maybe you're going to see a comment section. Would you let us know? Reach out to us if you're listening or watching in the app. Reach out to hello at thevine.tv or prayer at thevine.tv or 864-580-6698. We want to celebrate this decision with you. And we want to walk with you as you become who Jesus fully created you to be. And for everyone else, you can look up. 
And you can stand, if you will, for me. And I have a little different before we go into this song. Um, I know, uh, and Jesus knew, there were going to be moments in our walk with him where we don't have peace. And I will tell you, we can lean deeper into him to experience his peace, or we can stay stuck, frustrated, angry. I mean, I could tell you how many times I've been guilty of doing that as opposed to leaning into him. And so as I was getting, uh, praying through this and getting ready for this, one of the, I will tell you, church, one of the prayers I pray over you every day, every one of you, and I pray for it to happen is something that's called Aaron's blessing, okay? What happened is God told Aaron to speak this over his people, over God's people, Israel, anytime they came and assembled together. And it's something that's very, very familiar. It's something that many of us may know. As a matter of fact, there are songs about it. But the thing is, when we operate from this, we can have peace. And I just want to read it to you. It's number six, verse 24 through 26. I, I pray this over each and every one of you every day. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. In other words, we serve a God that delights and has joy in our presence. We don't serve a God that we have to earn our place at the table toward, work our way at the place at the table toward. We have a God that wants to see us, his face shine upon us. He wants to look us in the eye, spend time with us, laugh with us, cry with us, walk with us. And if we can work in that, we can show the world his peace, which is why I love that. I love that blessing from the Old Testament where that is spoken, where he can be gracious to us, where he can bring us peace. So as we get ready to go into this time of worship, that's what I'm praying for all of us this week. I pray, you, I pray that over you every day by God's grace, and I'm thankful that I get to, but that's what I'm praying for you, is that the world will know that his face shines on you, that he lifts you up, and that he blesses you, he's gracious to you, he keeps you, and that he gives you peace. Will you sing with us?
There we go. We made it in. I'm sorry. I hobbled in. I'm so thankful that we can sing that. So it's one of my favorite songs. It is well. But the only way that we can see that and worship with that is if we have his peace, right? Like in my peace, the wind and waves are crashing all around me. Like it ain't, that ain't, I'm Jesus. That's a big one. You know what I mean? Like that ain't going to work. The mountains fall into the sea. That's my favorite part of that song when they're singing that. Like as you're doing that, like even as all those mountains are crashed, like just falling down and thrown in the midst of the sea, like he said it would. Am I resting in my peace or his peace? So I'm thankful that we can rest in his. Make sure that you make plans to join us next week. We'll have a lot of fun. We'll have a lot of food. We'll have, most importantly, fellowship with each other and with Christ. Have an awesome week. And always remember, the best is still yet to come.